Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I'm here. How are you guys doing? I mean, I feel like I could go home after praying for Sarah. I was like, wow. Um, seeing her parents, I'm assuming that's her parents. Just, I remember my, when my parents, when they, we were being sent out to go to Hawaii and have a picture of my dad with his hand raised and my mom crying. And it was just a perfect picture of what happens when your kids say yes to Jesus. And so I bless you guys and um, Sarah and the kids. Okay, let's give a good round. I mean, hello. I love it anytime the kids have um, space up here because it casts vision for what we're doing back there. Have a great kid staff who is teaching your children scriptures to get in their hearts and songs and how to hear God's voice and obey and it's beautiful and they really love your children and pray for them by name. And so um, I'm already blessed, so um, let's just go home. <laughs> Actually, no, I do have a little bit of a message for you guys. Um, like Claire said, my name is Lindy Pinkston, and I have the joy of serving as the um, women's pastor here and the director of children, and um, we just have such amazing children and women here. I have the best job, and um, I love um, my job, and I love, I'm the mom of three boys. I have a freshman at Texas A&M, and yes, got some Aggies in the house, and I have a junior in high school and a seventh grader, and I have an amazing husband, Conan, right here, which is the reason... Anybody who knows us, the reason I can even do this is because of um, um, him and uh, what an amazing uh, man of God he is. And I joined this church when I was single um, at age 27, a few years ago. Um, and um, y'all laugh, okay? And um, I love being a part of this movement. I love when I have the opportunity to preach. And so I'm excited to get to preach in this Advent series called Given. And I'm excited because I'm going to focus on Mary this morning the mother of Jesus, to invite us into this season of Advent, the coming. You know, Advent is a season of waiting, of wanting, of asking Christ to come where once we needed him and we need him again. Emmanuel, God is with us. He has come, he is currently coming, and he's going to come. So we're gonna look at today who Mary was and how she was given to God, and therefore she was able to be given to others. And it's not too late to join in this Advent season. You know, this is part of the church calendar where we're joining what the big church is doing across the world. And so if you've been too busy and you haven't even had a chance to read the Nativity story, I encourage you just to get your Bibles out and ask God for fresh revelation and just not miss this moment of Advent. And so that's my prayer today, is that we're going to get stirred this morning. Um, I pray that you see uh, what God has done in sending his son as a babe for us, a savior, a defender against the powers of this world. The incarnation is great news. You know, I grew up not talking a lot about Mary. I remember um, being, um, I was with a choir in elementary school in, in Germany, actually, in a cathedral and looking at all these statues, these beautiful stained glass windows of Mary and thinking, I wonder why my church doesn't have any pictures of Mary. And so I resolved 
to just seeing Mary as the perfect girl, as the perfect mom, because after all, right, she was the mother of the Son of God. Well, today, we're gonna spend a few minutes making Mary real, looking past the white statue Mary to the probably barely 14-year-old, maybe just past puberty, Mary. We're gonna go full circle, focus on the visitations that Mary experienced all the way to the tomb, from an empty womb to the empty tomb. We're gonna look at Mary and that she wasn't perfect. I'm gonna say it again. We're gonna look at the Mary was human, that was human and not perfect. She'd probably been disobedient to her parents. I guarantee she'd been disobedient to her parents at some point. Done something unkind. I'm sure she struggled with anxiety about the actual birth. Frustrated and bewildered at losing Jesus for three days in Jerusalem. Feeling hurt and rejected when Jesus said, oh, everybody who follows me is my mother and brother. And some of you may be asking yourselves, why are you going to dismantle my porcelain Mary? But she didn't give up. Even death on a cross. Doubts. I'm sure she was like, this isn't the way it was supposed to happen. He was supposed to reign like King David. Wasn't it prophesied? Did I hear him wrong? Did I misunderstand? But she never gave up. And she was mentioned in Acts 2 in the upper room and received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the birth of the church. She came full circle and she never gave up. Again, you may be asking yourself, why is she going to mess up my view of Mary? I like her. Because what God did and through Mary is his desire to do in and through you. To impregnate you with something so much bigger than you. To come to you and say, I see you. You have favor with me. I want to use your broken life. I choose you and I will give you everything. Everything you need to accomplish it. Every confirmation. Every provision, every piece in your confusion. So today, our sermon in a sentence is Mary's yes to the Father brought salvation and freedom and life to all humanity, just like your yes to the Father can bring salvation, freedom, and life to humanity. And as we begin, we're going to pause for a short reading to hopefully set the stage for this Mary that we really do want to see today. Holly Imler will be reading a short excerpt from a book called A Walk One Winter Night, in which the author describes an experience he had while looking at a nativity scene. So I want everybody to close your eyes and just enjoy this reading. But that night and I'm not sure why, something caused me to turn my head, inviting me to linger. I stopped to look at them for a while as one would stand in front of a Rembrandt painting in a museum. I must admit, it felt somewhat odd and awkward. After all, grown-ups don't pause and stare at yard nativity scenes. But for some reason, that night, that moment, I felt I should be there. 
She wore blue. Mary always wears blue. A neatly pressed, clean blue garment. Her face, porcelain and untouchable, had a fixed expression, pleasant and peaceful. With her fragile hands folded in prayer, she gazed down adoringly at her child. She was perfect, this Mary, pristine with moisture glistening on her smooth ceramic shawl. And then something happened, something I frankly don't expect you to believe. I heard a noise coming from Mary's direction. It startled me. Who's that? I said. Though her figure didn't move, a soft voice pleaded. This is not me, she cried. This is not real. And her voice broke. Please listen to me. My garment, it isn't this clean, and it's not this brilliant shade of blue. It's a blue faded by the dust of a long journey to Bethlehem. It smells of my sweat and of the mule whose back I rode upon. My blue is stained with red, the blood of birth. It's soiled by the dung of a stable floor. And my face, my real face is blemished. I am a teenage girl. My brow is furrowed from worry. Worry about this baby, about tomorrow. What will Herod do? Will he find us? And my eyes, my eyes are red from tears of pain. I am so lonely and afraid. This is my first baby, and my mother is not here with me. This is not who I am, she said again. I am real. Please let me be real. And her voice trailed off. Father, we just ask today that you give us eyes to see the Mary that you used in powerful ways, but that was weak and in need of a Savior as well. So, Father, soften our hearts this morning as we press in to what you did with this life that just said yes to you. Amen. I heard that a few weeks ago as a couple of us were writing the Advent Women's Devotional, and it really messed with me in a good way. I've really been just marinating on it and chewing and trying to think, what would Mary have experienced? All the different things that set up this story. And so I pray today that this is a blessing for you guys. We're going to start off with how Mary gave herself to God's invitation. We're gonna look at Luke chapter one, verse 26. I'm gonna kind of bounce in and out of scripture today, so just bear with me. And I'm gonna get my reading glasses on so I can see my small print. All right. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledge to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. I'm the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So while Mary wasn't perfect, she found favor with the Father. She was one who knew the Lord. She grew up knowing the story of the Passover and the coming Messiah that was going to actually become the Passover lamb. She knew the prophecies of Isaiah that Graydon talked about two weeks ago, and actually that the children quoted this morning, that for unto us a child was born, to us a child is going to be given the government's going to rest on his shoulders. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be the prince of peace. But I want to focus on verse 38. After she's this counter with this angel, how's this going to happen? He explains. He says, I'm with the God's with you. He found favor. Don't be fearful. In verse 38, she ends this invitation. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And I want to bring up the fact that I don't believe this was Mary's first yes. I believe Mary had a long history of yeses. She'd been faithful with the little. The father knew her character. Knew she could handle it. Knew she could handle all the rejection that was about to happen to her. The looks. The mockery, the rumors. He trusted her because he had seen her rise to the occasion before. You know, he does that with us too. He asks us to do a little thing. And when we're little, faithful with a little, he asks us to do more. And we're faithful with a little more, he asks us to do more. A question I have, are you frustrated where you're at right now? Have you done the last thing the Lord asked you to do? Or did you blow it off thinking, oh, that really doesn't really matter. I want to get to the big stuff. Because Mary didn't. Mary was faithful and faithful. And that's what she gave herself to God's invitation. So do we give ourselves when God invites us to join him? He invited Mary and she said yes. May we say yes as well. Mary not only said yes to God's invitation, but she goes on to say yes to God's confirmation. And we see this. We're going to continue reading in verse 39. 
in Luke. It says, at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in a hill country called Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that she, the mother of the Lord, should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed in the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then Mary says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generations to generations. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever just as he promised our ancestors. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Wow, what an encounter. What an encounter. Mary has this invitation. She says yes. She goes immediately. You know, she didn't know Elizabeth was pregnant. They didn't have Instagram. She didn't see Elizabeth. Hey, look, you know. She didn't know that. She was like, I've got to see this. She immediately goes and she walks in and the minute the presence of God is in the house, the Holy Spirit joins. Even last night, I was thinking, they just, they, they were having a Trinity moment there. They're having the, you know, God was there, Jesus was coming, and the Holy Spirit decides to show up, right? And they, he becomes alive in Elizabeth and John in her womb. I mean, I cannot imagine. I mean, I've had, we've, I've had three boys, and you know, you've got some kicking stuff, but I can't imagine a leap. I mean, can you imagine that? Those who've had carried babies before? But it was such a powerful moment that Mary couldn't help but praising the Lord for what he had done. Her song, which has become known as the Magnificat. We see in this song, again, that Mary knew the Hebrew stories. She knew. She was, and then she started prophesying about this upside-down kingdom where the poor were going to be lifted up and the rich weren't. And she was living in a culture where that wasn't happening. All right? And then verse 48, again, she says, but you've been mindful of the humble state of your servant. I wanna pause on there a minute because I don't want us to miss this. You've been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And translated to me, I'm thinking, Mary, she has this invitation with the angel. She goes and she, then she sees Elizabeth and Elizabeth starts prophesying of her. And then she starts writing this song and singing. She's so excited, but God has done amazing things for her. And she says, he's been mindful of my state because I was troubled. I was anxious, anxiety was bringing me and you gave me the confirmation that I needed. You knew my state. He knew that Mary needed a supernatural confirmation in order to anticipate the coming of the Lord. He knew she would go back to that over and over. And then she goes on to saying, from now on generations will call me blessed. She's taking ownership, she's resolved. This is it, I see it, I have the confirmation and I'm moving forward. Do you know how many times she probably went back to that moment? How many times in her mothering, she's like, I'm the wrong one. 
You, you missed it. She would have been a better mother for Jesus, not me. And she'd go back to that moment and said, no, God called me just like he's called you. And he wants those moments of confirmation in your life that you go back to. If you don't have those moments, I encourage you, start asking for them. Every big decision that I've ever made, I've begged the Lord for the huge confirmation and I go back to it. I go back to it. You know, in the mid-90s, John Paul Jackson, he was a leader in hearing God, and many of us learned how to hear God from him. He's with a father now, but he would always say, the bigger the confirmation, the bigger the calling. And I can tell you, I remember the night, actually, Con, I was saying this, I think we actually were already engaged when I was like, is Con in the right one? I still, I mean, I remember, I remember in Eulis in my apartment, in the green armoire that I still have, I remember going... Is, is, he, is he the one? And I, I remember the confirmation. I remember the confirmation when we were supposed to move to Hawaii. I remember the confirmation when I was trying to decide to move to Dallas or to Abilene. I remember the confirmation of things that we've made decisions with our kids and we go, oh, was that the right? No, I heard the Lord. Lord, remember. He does that and he does that for Mary. God was so kind to Mary that day and he's so kind to you. He needs what you, he knows what you need. What confirmation you need today that he is coming. He knows what he needs to take ownership of in your life. He knows those barren places that he needs to come. He knows. And he wants to come in a supernatural way in those areas because he's all about the miracles in his presence and filling us and filling those areas. So Mary not only gave herself to God's invitation and God's confirmation, but she also gave herself to God's provision. And we're going to look at this at the actual birth. Jamie's going to focus more next week on the shepherds, which that's going to be fun. I like that part of the story. Um, but there was a census being taken, and so verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Wow. We look at that story, we say, oh, look, but there was a manger. Oh, but look, at least there was something. But if you've ever had your first baby, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. To travel in your third trimester is a big deal. I mean, to tra I guarantee riding or walking, whichever she ended up doing, is what caused her to go into labor, right? I mean... So with my first child, Joshua, I decided um, I was going to labor at home and then go to the hospital right to have him. So my midwife was like, okay, you're at a seven, you know, you got to go to the hospital, you're going to have the baby here. So we get in the car and Connor's, you know, obviously gently driving to the hospital, but it felt like he was like breaking and turning. I was like, ah, ah, you know, you're so sensitive. I cannot imagine traveling, having a baby, okay, dusty. Smells, you're real sensitive to smells, you're nauseated. I mean, let's just, there's, there's smell of animals, exhaustion, you're sore. But this is where she lands with no support. 
in her eyes. No mother, no midwife, no aunties. She'd probably been a part of some births. She had never given birth. Oh, she was young. And now it's her turn. I mean, can you imagine her thinking? I mean, I would have been like, are you serious? Alone? The son of God being born alone? Where's the celebration? Where's the fanfare? Or maybe she was, maybe she was content with it being quiet, but she probably wasn't content with it being lonely. The unknown. How frightening. But yet, she yielded to the Father's plan of provision for her because he did provide. He was holding a party just a few fields away where heaven opened up and heaven came down to earth. The angels expanded and blessed the shepherds. And when they came to Mary, she treasured it in her heart. She didn't miss the shepherd's visit because she was pouting. She wasn't pouting because this wasn't the way she had planned it. But she was wise enough to not miss the opportunity and treasure it. Y'all, I can't tell you how many times I've missed a moment because the provision was different than I'd hoped or I'd planned or I thought it was supposed to look like. I have, in moments, been pounding inside and heard the Lord's gentle voice say, Lindy, don't miss this moment. And there's been times I've walked away totally regretting it after I got over the pouting because I was pouting and I didn't embrace it. And then there was times where I was totally, surprisingly satisfied. And I treasured the moment. We want to be people who say yes to his invitation, yes to his confirmations, yes to his provisions, because y'all, almost all the time, it's not what you expect. Almost never. And it's not plan D, and your plan is plan A. That, that's the lie between A and D. Oh, my plan was A, and I'm getting D, and so I'm orphan mentality. I'm victim. My life isn't what it was supposed to be. No, no. God knows you. He's sovereign. He has your best interest in mind. And when he provides in certain streams that were uncomfortable for you or you didn't think, I say, don't miss the moment. Mary didn't miss the moment. And because she gave herself to all these things, she was able to see his kingdom move forward. And like I already talked about, God, her life was full of surrenders of God's plans, and it wasn't easy. I mean, let's just talk about day eight when she goes to present him at the temple, and Simeon has this amazing blessing for Jesus, and then he looks at her and says, oh, and by the way, a sword will pierce your heart too. I mean, hello, eight-day-old mom. And that prophecy was true. Her heart got pierced over and over. But can you imagine? She was overwhelmed. This is amazing. Oh, okay. I mean, hormonal. I mean, she probably burst into tears. Come on, let's just be honest. It doesn't say that kind of stuff, but that's reality. No mother would want that blessing for an eight-day-old. He's going to pierce your heart. But we see this prophecy fulfilled as she and Joseph lose him 
at age 12 for three days. And we also look past that story and say, oh, he was, in, he was fine. He was in the temple. He was, he was asking important questions. But guys, three days in a big city. They looked for three days. Have you ever lost your child? Come on, let's admit it. I have. I have. Walmart at least once. The, the, the one I remember the most was in Hawaii. We lost Jonathan at the beach. We did. Talking to some moms. The kids were swimming. And it was like, where's Jonathan? And then it was like, Jonathan? And then it's like, everybody out of the pool, out of the pool, beat, um, ocean. Everybody out of the ocean, look for Jonathan. And we, you know, scoured the beach. We found him a little ways down, just kind of hanging out, you know. But when you find your child, it's like you're, it's a mixture of emotions. You're like frustrated them, but you really frustrate yourself because obviously you turned your eyes and they wandered off. But it's like this, all this mixed emotion. But can you imagine, she, they finally find Jesus and he's like, hey, I was about my father's business. He did come under authority and go home with him. Because he was perfect, teenagers. Came under authority, went home with him. Just saying. But let's think about that. They're scratching their heads. They're, they're bewildered. They're like, are you kidding me? Okay, there's this little boy I'm raising, and he's doing his father's business. The tension of blood family with the kingdom. It's a real deal, y'all. And she had to struggle with this her whole life of raising him. Him coming home to preach the hometown and everyone gets offended and he doesn't do any miracles and he leaves. I mean, her heart was probably broken. And then I already mentioned this, but when she and her sons thought Jesus had literally, they thought he lost his mind and so they come to get him. I guess they were gonna talk sense into him. Said, tell Jesus that, his mother and brothers are here. And then the messenger comes like, oh, he's, he said that every, all of us are his mother and brothers. I'm, that, that'd be offended. That'd be offensive. I'm just saying. But you know what, y'all? She was offended, but she didn't stay there. And if Mary missed it with Jesus, if Mary was offended, do you not think that we will be sometimes? But she didn't stay there and she continued to press in when her heart was being stretched. Even there on the cross, I, mean, I cannot imagine the, the things that were going through her mind to see her son being treated that way. But then she came back around again. Acts 2, she was there full circle. A full life that started with a yes. And she had no idea how it would end. She really didn't. But the good news coming does not remove bewilderment or unbelief in our lives. The good news comes so that we, like Mary, can live a life given to God in order to bring salvation to people through his name, bring freedom to the captives, and life to humanity. I was thinking this morning as I'm ending... This cycle that Mary did, this is the same. Jamie's talked about it. Tiffany talked about it in our women's podcast. Henry Blackaby, his, it's like his experiencing God. God comes to us with an invitation. And then we have to make that decision. We have a Holy Spirit moment. We have a moment with God, a counter. And then we have to make that decision. Okay, am I gonna get on board with God's invitation, or I'm not. And when we say yes, we think that's the easy part, 
But then we have to make the adjustments in order to fulfill the yes, right? Can I get an amen? There's always adjustments. And if you just say yes and think that, oh, I said yes. Well, no, we say yes, and then we make the right adjustments to follow God's plan, and then we, we walk and we're blessed, and we just start the cycle again. I did not learn this until my early 20s. Actually moved to another state after college and realized I never, God didn't invite me here. I just thought it was a good idea and thought he would bless it. God's always working. And he's always inviting you to do what he's doing, that he's already doing. And when you're, he's inviting you into his story, he's gonna bless it. Isn't that, it's not on us. We don't have to make it happen. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and call the ministry team up this morning. We're gonna have a time of just praying this morning. We want to press into this Mary, guys, that in many ways, like us, is fragile, is dependent, is searching for truth, and is in the end surrendering her plan to his plan. That's the call to us today. To say yes in the areas that he's inviting you to join him. Those of you that are needing confirmation in some decisions you're making. Maybe some of you need to yield to his provisions. Maybe there's something else on your heart. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe today is the day you say, I I want that life. I want the incarnated Jesus to be center of my life. You know, ministry time, we don't just do this because these people up here want to stand and just talk to you, although they want to talk to you. We do it because we want to encounter Father, because there's an invitation this morning for God to come down and show himself to you. And there's something that happens when we just take that step of obedience and say, I need someone to join with me, and I'm discouraged, or I need someone to to pray that God would give me what I need right now. So I just encourage you to come up and get prayer. I'm gonna pray for us as we're entering into ministry time and then I'll end our ministry time in prayer as well. Lord, we thank you this morning for your beautiful servant Mary and what she teaches us about tenacity, about not giving up, about seeking you, by saying yes to you and over and over dying to her desires for you to be able to birth a son that would bring life and hope to this world. So Father, we just ask you to come right now and bring life and hope in our hearts, Jesus. Amen. Come get prayer. And right, everybody stand up.